0: On today's episode 21, I'm speaking with Kelly Montoya, CEO and founder of Little Sue. They say that necessity is the mother of invention. Like many busy career moms, Kelly Montoya was looking for ways to spend more quality time with her young daughter while still having to get dinner on the table every night. With a background in media, she is the former SVP and publisher of Portland Monthly and a self-proclaimed warrior for children and families. Kelly created Little Sue in 2007 with themed monthly subscription kits, which include lessons, recipes, food science, art projects, culture, and kid-safe tools so that families can find more ways to connect and have fun and children can become more intuitive cooks as they explore the world's culture through food. Kelly Montoya, it has been too long. I haven't seen you for the entire pandemic, but I always—it always makes me feel good to know that you're a mom out there and then you're dealing with the same issues that I am all the time, which is like what to make for dinner.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh! And congratulations, first of all, on this podcast. It's been so fun to watch you launch it and grow it and all of your amazing interviews and (laughs) obviously, you you know. we follow each other on social media and I'm constantly looking to you for where should I go eat kind of advice. (laughs) What is she eating now? What is it? I have to take my child there.
0: You know, I mean, Good, good to talk to you. It's nice to have social media because you know, for all the things, it's so hard to stay connected, but I feel like when I know what somebody had for breakfast or <laughs> or where they went on their last vacation, it allows me to stay connected to them so that the times when we do finally get to see each other, it doesn't feel like it's been so long, right?
1: Yeah, and you guys really, you really went for it on the travel. I was so inspired, <laughs> so impressed. Every other day or every other weekend, I'm like, where are they now? It was so exciting.
0: You know, it's that mom guilt because I felt, you know, normally you would take them on an airplane. You'd take them, you know, you can. But we since we couldn't do this and I with safety in mind, we did a lot of local travel and a lot of the places that normally you would take kids or clothes. And so you had to kind of get creative with ways to keep them entertained. But also, you know, I also know how important like travel is to, you know, your, how you experience the world and other people Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And there are definitely ways that you can do it safely. And so I was trying to, you know, I was doing it um, just for myself, but also show other people and other parents and other, you know, that it is possible and there are ways to do it and it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be you know, a major headache. And then also like, where do you get takeout? Like every time we travel, we're like, okay, we must find the local pizza place because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what they want right. to eat.
1: Because pizza Friday, right?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And how was your pandemic? I know it was, um you know, I felt for all the moms because I, I know dads too, but as yeah. a mom, I know that a lot of the you know, with working moms, with homes, with schooling, virtual school and all that kind of stuff and still having to cook and all that. And, you know, people's businesses changed, but work from home. And how, how was it for you? Are you, you know, I'm as a, as a, as this is your company, little Sue, and it was really rolling. It was on a, you know, lots of growth and then, and then the pandemic hit. I mean, how, how did that affect your business?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I was, I feel incredibly fortunate to say that our business was actually able to help people during the pandemic. So we did see a lot of growth, although um, our business model changed quite a bit because we Mm -hmm. were, you know, we had a lot of partnerships um, that were lined up that kind of went on hold. And so we kind of had to go, uh, we had to go sort of all in on building the subscription box business. And so Mm -hmm. um, we've seen a lot of growth there. It's actually been incredible and, and has been, it's felt really good, right. To know that we're actually able to offer something of value, um, to kids and to parents as we're all home together. And, um, and suddenly, you know, parents or caregivers are, you know, cooking, you know, three meals a day and giving snacks and trying mm-hmm. to work, and trying to get the kids through school. And, um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think my experience was very much like, you know, most families around the country, um, super challenging, but also um, feeling, you know, was just really grateful that I did have the ability to work from home um, and that, um, you know, I did have fle- flexibility mm-hmm. in way, and, um, you know, we were eating a lot more meals together. And my daughter's name, my daughter, she just um, she's 14 now. And uh, we started, you know, roving around the house. Right. So, you know, where we would usually sit. Um, and have dinner. We started moving to the porch, and, and we thinking, <laughs> I love that. Let's go in the living room and you know set up <laughs> a blanket and just trying to change things up. Let's go to mm-hmm. the yard and trying to set up you know different little vignettes. Um, and I remember asking her, you know, like you know what of all the things that we've been able th- through, you know, this was actually a while ago, but one of the f- things that she told me was that her her favorite parts of being home were that we were spending more time around the table together. And we we were able to do that. And we could, we were talking a lot more and connecting a lot, you know, and also, um, you know, I was delegating quite a bit more Mm -hmm. because I was like, okay, you know, this is a, this is our family, but we are operating as a community and everybody has to participate, you know, not just because you may be getting an allowance for doing some chores, but like, really, I need you to Mm -hmm you know, make your own snack or I need you to be able to do this as part of you know dinner prep and all of that. So we really had to come together in a way that we we, we didn't have to before mm-hmm. you know, like many families experienced. So
0: I mean I thought it was really wonderful to see people cooking mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're so lucky we live in a city with great restaurants and so much opportunity, all these ingredients and you know and even it was kind of funny like during uh Quarantine, you know, the whole quarantine cooking hashtag and all that. And I I was cooking a lot more and because I wasn't going to restaurants, I was posting it and there's was a whole group of people where they're like, I didn't know you could cook. I was like, that's what I could do. Okay. I usually don't I usually don't post food of I usually don't post photos of food that I cook at home because I don't think it's that interesting. It's just food that I'm making for my family. And I'd much rather maybe give a little love to the local restaurant. But it's it's kind of funny to when people, but it was really delightful to see all these people cooking and really looking forward to it as a project and you know yeah. i thought it was hilarious
1: yeah and and the whole sourdough thing i mean like all the bread making <laughs> right. was hilarious and i was like hey, look, if anything it gave so we're all you know making our own bread and like learning how to um, make different kinds of breads and you know, what an appreciation I have for as, as, as artisanship, right. Bread making and just Mm -hmm. these things that we all sort of take for granted and we sort of go through our lives and we have, you know, access to all of this great stuff. And, um, so much goes into making it. And it's, it was like wonderful, um, and, and, you know, not always fun to do, you know, but, um, um, but it, it was great People were cooking with their kids and i yeah. same thing my kids
0: um i was telling them i said you know it's not every day that p- these pandemics happen like it never happened when i was a kid and it probably you know like this is like a it's a historical moment and you mm-hmm. can either you can either complain about it or we can make the most of it and they talked about how much they enjoyed these kind of family meals too because yeah. we're home all day and come three o'clock the big question was what's for dinner because it was kind of of a big deal because you had the time to think about it and you're also home to, you know, thaw something, which, you know, like, you know, you normally, when you're working out, outside the home, you get home, you're like, there's no time to thaw anything. So it's like call in the dinner. Whereas now you can think about it, prepare it. You can do these things like, you know, uh, turn the dough if need be, you know, cause you're around, it doesn't take much time, yeah. but, you know, you could spend that 10 minutes that's needed in the middle of the day to prep something for later.
1: Yeah. We definitely ate a, a bit more um, decadently. It was like you know there was more cream going in things. There was more, bread, there was more pasta. There was all kinds no. of. things. You know, and we all you know, it shows. It still shows. On
0: <laughs> oh, but it it was it, it's fun, and I know that I know that you you and I we both believe um, how much children can do when given the opportunity. You know, so often people think that kids can't. They can't, you know, they can only do like really basic things in the kitchen. But, you know, with a little supervision and guidance, it's amazing what kind of meals kids can create when given the chance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like in so many cases, it's really about our attitudes toward it and what our expectations are going in and just being comfortable with the fact that it's not going to go perfectly and there's going to be a mess that's made. And, you know, it might not be exactly the way that you would do it, um, but it's going to turn out great. You know, it will be what it will be and it will be delicious. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, kids get to feel pride in knowing that they had a part in it. Um, They do want to participate. They do want to contribute. And we've always tried to sort of, in our house, give Bryce sort of a seat at the table when it comes to food and talking about food or choosing a restaurant or like figuring out what we're going to have for dinner or participating in that Um, and really giving her a voice. And so, you know, I never, I never really sort of talked down to her as a child mm-hmm. about it. And, um, and I think that that really sort of helped and it's, it's kept her mind open about ingredients. And so she's sort of has this wild palate where, she, where she'll, she'll try anything. um, mm-hmm. And that's another thing that, you know, we've always said to her is like, you know, you're not required, you know, you are required to try things, but you're not required to like it. Um, right. And so, Tasting new things was not a big deal, and if she didn't want to eat it, she didn't have mm-hmm. to. But I would get to ask her about, like, well, why don't you like it? What is it? The textures? Mm-hmm. Too much this? Too much that? And so she had to explore that within herself and understand her own palate and connect to her own, you know, her own tastes in her body. And so it just, you know, I think I, I think I went off topic. I think this is a little bit more than what you asked me. <laughs>
0: Well, up, let's talk I about let's up. talk about picky eaters because you know I, it's one of those things where when you're a food person, you know it's like the bane of every chef's existence, right? They're they're a chef, they make beautiful food, people pay tons of money to eat their food, and they cannot and their kids wants to eat, they just want to eat buttered noodles and nothing else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they don't know what to do because you know they they know they cook great food and they they'll make anything that their kids want to eat but their kids just don't want to eat it you know um and i i always say well you know and it's usually like their first kid or their you know like there's little and i say don't worry like every kid is that way and it's not it's not you and it has nothing to do with the quality yeah. of the food but and just that reassurance and you know what that every kid will grow out of it to some extent you know it's not that the children are picky but like let's talk about picky kids for a little bit I and mean, picky eaters
1: yeah so, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and, I mean, I think I even had, like, a panic moment myself, you know, because my daughter, you know, I made a lot of her baby food for her. I was just, like, so committed to, mm-hmm. you know, doing my best to not give her processed food. So, I, you know, I would I would spend a lot of time on the weekends making, freezing ahead, you know, so that that was possible for her. And she ate so much, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> every kind of vegetable and she mm-hmm. she would sort of welcome everything and then she got to the butter noodle phase and I was like what the heck right um, and so first i was worried like are you gonna you know this isn't healthy for you like you're you not getting your nutrients you're just everything is beige <laughs> right <laughs> beige and buttery and oh my gosh and so i had to we had to get a little creative in how we were going to get you know get more nutrients Mm -hmm. into her. but it was her go-to thing every restaurant doesn't matter it didn't matter like what restaurant it was it was always do you have butter noodles and so Mm -hmm. i do talk to parents about that and and it's just a phase you know you just get through the phase Mm -hmm. and then you know when you sort of empower them to say yes i'm ready you know rather than trying to push it on them Mm -hmm. um it tends to last a little um it's a shorter phase. Right? right. And
0: there, or you see, like, you'll see toddlers who eat like everything, you know, you put food, they, mm-hmm. they just go for it. And the parents are like, so proud, like, Oh, my kids will eat anything. They'll eat it. And I'm like, just you wait. just do it they will There will definitely come to a point because you know as kids they can't control too many things like their parents will tell them where to go what we know, even when you're little what you know what you're gonna wear where you're gonna go when time you go to sleep all these kinds of things and the one thing about is food is like you can say no and your parents are not gonna shove that food down your throat i mean they're gonna you know they'll say you will you can't you can't watch this without unless you eat this or you can't have dessert unless you eat that. But to some extent, like the children have a lot of power in what goes in their mouth. Right. And so, and they know it.
1: Yeah, so every, every kid is that way. Every kid is that way. And, and they're all trying to create their own identity and those mm-hmm. little decisions become part of that identity. So knowing that, yes, I like butter noodles. And no, I don't like mm-hmm. no spinach that's part of their identity. And so if you, if you, my experience was that if I sort of acknowledged that um, mm-hmm. and supported that and didn't ask her to eat, you know, something that I know that she didn't like, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, then, then she was more willing to try it in other ways. So, you know, spinach was one of those things. So, you know, I, she loves creamed spinach. She didn't mm-hmm. like it when I steamed it and put them, mm-hmm. but she likes cream spinach and I'm cool with that, you know? So, um just keeping the the dialogue open, letting them um, you know, sort of form their own identity and and mm-hmm. this is actually a really this is a topic I love, sort of food is identity and how powerful that is. I mean, think about how we you know, food sort of connects us connects us for generations, you know, our mm-hmm. ancestors are connected to us by the foods that we eat that we've inherited from them. and mm-hmm. um, I just think it's really, really powerful um, because it can be individual, um, but it can also be, you know, communal,
0: right? Like my my house, I have the two kids. I have Lucas and Nadia, and um, the joke in our house is that Lucas has a Korean palate, and then uh, Nadia has the Italian palate. Depending on whose side of the you know the genes, <laughs> because it's just yeah. like what they like. Like Nadia wants to eat, you know pasta and Italian food, and that comes from her cultural heritage or DNA. She's like, it's in my DNA, you know. And Lucas would just want to eat Asian food if he could all day. But you know, and I say that you know your taste will change, and the the important thing is to know that they will change and it's okay. And as a parent, my job is to not stigmatize any food and not to, not to my, uh, really what it comes down to is I don't want them to have any food issues. So yeah. every food is everything in moderation. Everything is good. There's no evil food. There's no bad food, whatever you just, there's things, occasional foods, you know, there's things that are obviously healthier, but that delicious food when prepared well with good ingredients is good. And you may not like it now, but to, um, you might like it later And it's totally fine if you don't want to try it now. But, you know, I I always tell them the story, like when I was little, I didn't like mushrooms or I decided that I didn't like mushrooms. It was only because my cousin didn't like mushrooms and he said he didn't (laughs) like mushrooms. So I was going to like mushrooms. Well, I love mushrooms now, you know, but and then, you know, you just it's also preparation. Like, you know, I'm sure every kid who ate school lunch was traumatized by that kind of uh army green cooked spinach with like no flavor that just blah you know that
1: kind of thing yes
0: yeah so it's like it's how things are prepared and just having that conversation with your kids. You know, you might not like it this way, you know, you might like it fresh, you might like it this way, or how many different ways can we figure out? You know, there's got to be a way that you like something. Like my son decided that he didn't like eggs. <laughs> you ate eggs all the time. You just don't realize it. You yeah. don't want to eat a hard boiled egg, but there's eggs in like all sorts of foods that he loves. And so I think when, by cooking, I think children can see like how those ingredients, you know, it's always a mystery. Like when you make food and you present it to them, they're like, "What is it?" And, you know. Whereas if they, if you cook with them and they see everything that goes into it, they see how it was prepared, they're much more likely to eat it. You know, because and they, are kind of this vested interest in it because they hate they help prepare it, right? <laughs> a
1: thousand percent, a thousand percent. And also, mm-hmm. like helping them make those connections between the food that they eat and how they feel, how mm-hmm. their members feel. Um, you know, there were like foods that would actually cause discomfort for Bryce and. Um you know she was she was in gymnastics, and you know, so we would just talk about you know the sugar conversation would come up a lot, you know because oh, yeah, mm-hmm. things sweet. and you know i I you know have never taken the i mean every child is different, and every child reacts differently to sugar, and I firmly believe you know every you know you have to sort of respond to individual kids and what mm-hmm. they um but you know the sugar conversation, you know there were times when she would want you know two cookies instead of one cookie or whatever and i'd be like are you sure you know mm-hmm. it's gonna make you feel maybe not so good um <laughs> really hyper and then you're gonna kind of are you sure you want to do it? you can
0: but right.
1: you feel this way and so of course she'd be like i want it and so she would have you know like a ton of sugar and then as it was happening right <laughs> Like Your job is a reminder. Self. Do you see how you feel? <laughs> and bring her back down. and be like, okay, how do we feel right now? You know, this is why this is what sugar, too much sugar can do to our bodies. Like we have to pay attention to this. So anyway, um, it's just helping them connect the dots um, mm-hmm. and keeping that dialogue open in a way that speaks to them um, mm-hmm. and not sort of speaks down to them or sort of lectures them is kind of been what, has really worked in our house. Not that she doesn't reject things. Um, I let her, uh, uh, she just went in, she just started ninth grade. God help me. Oh, so fast. they like, See, there's nothing oh, like children yeah. to like show the passing of
0: time. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. Um, and so we created sort of this new snack cupboard. And I was like, you get to build a snack cupboard. Like, what do you want? You know, for mm-hmm. your lunch snacks or whatever. And it is such the teenage snack cupboard. And it's half of it's really good stuff, like nuts and mm-hmm. you know, dried fruit in there and, you know, applesauce. And then it's like, you know, then it's like the the chips and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, cool. I'm cool with it. As long as you're not stuffing your face with this every day, it's all good.
0: Right. And I, I think, and that's the important thing, is you don't want, I, I don't have any food issues. Thank goodness. <laughs> I think part, and I thank my parents for that because I think they didn't go about thinking about it the way that I think about it, but they just basically was, I think is from, cause they didn't know what was in stuff, but they allowed us to pretty much eat anything and kind of figure it out on our own. Like if you eat all that, this, you know, all that Halloween candy, it's going to get you a tummy ache. And so next time you're not inclined to eat so much of it, yeah. I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And so, for me, myself, my own philosophies, I try to do that as well. But that kind of self-awareness is, you know, having those conversations with kids is the most important thing, you know, how did that make you feel or, you know, or letting them portion it out for themselves and realize that, you know, you don't want to waste all that. You, you gave yourself all that, but you only ate like half of it. So yeah. maybe it's not so good to waste all that food, you know?
1: Right, right.
0: So let's talk about these boxes for people who don't know because they're so creative and they're so fun and it's I think maybe people just see I mean age it's recipes but it's so much more than just recipes that are focused for kids there's activities there's, tell them what maybe and maybe highlight some of the boxes because I think they're so clever.
1: Um sure, I can talk about that. Um well, the boxes um um, were co-created with Nick Fauschold, um, who was a, uh, co-founding, you know, creative director. Um, and we really wanted to create something that, um, that taught kids how to cook. Um, but, you know, in the development of the, of the products, um, we realized that cooking as a platform is this really powerful place from which to parent. Um, Mm -hmm. We teach so many different things. So, um, you know, all of the less all of the boxes have a different theme. Um, And so, you know, if you subscribe to Little Sue, the very first box you get is called Cheese the Great Adventure. And it teaches you all about um, different cheeses from around the world. You know how to say cheese in 16 different languages. Um, We have these main lessons that are all hand illustrated. Um, And they are, they are written in kids speak. So Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're really um, geared towards kids visually, but the recipes themselves are a bit more elevated so that parents will enjoy making them as well. So like eating them, (laughs) they're good recipes. I kind of, I make that analogy. Like I just, I remember uh, when Bryce was little, I couldn't watch Yo Gabba Gabba one more time. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to freak out!" <laughs> so this is like one of, sort of an antidote. Like, okay, this is a plug and play, right? Uh, you know, uh, activity box that you know families can do together, or if a child mm-hmm. is older, they can do on their own. But at the end of the day, you know, kids are learning, and families get to eat, and so that's pretty cool. Um, but like in the cheese box. Um, the main lesson is, um, is about making ricotta. And then we develop recipes that, you know, uses ricotta or use other cheeses. Um, There's food science and art-based activities in all the boxes. Um, There's a jumbo coloring poster that is usually our nod to culture. Um, There's uh, some stickers. So the stickers and the posters are sort of the uh, instant gratification. So regardless of whatever you have in your pantry, kids can get really immersed in the theme and start working on it. Um, and then we source a tool from, um, various companies around the country. So, um, it's gotta be kids safe. Um, and it's gotta be, um, something that, you know, adults would, would feel good about having in their drawer. Um, we're not interested in, you know, sourcing a bunch of junk tools. We really look for, we look to curate the highest quality tools that are really safe for kids um, and that everybody is cool with using. But, you know, we've got a cheese box. There's one called I Love You, which is all about. <laughs> um, you know, I love the puns. There's, you guys have puns
0: throughout all your boxes, and I just, I find them so clever.
1: <laughs> it makes, it's totally fun. I love the puns as well. Um, mm-hmm. We just did um, one smart cookie. So we did a one, we did a cookie box. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, um, you know, there's one called Eat the Rainbow. There's mm-hmm. It's Alive, which is all about fermentation and sort of the live cultures and everyday foods. So we, you know, um, they're really, really fun. And um, we have, I think, 29 of them that we've created at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, we partnered with Danielle Walker, who is the cookbook author of Against All Grain. And we created some allergy free or or some boxes for kids with food allergies. Um, but I'm really excited to delve into sort of the cultural aspect of cooking, especially given, you know, sort of like where we are, um, you know, as a nation, as a world, um, talking about culture, um, but but really using food as a way to immerse kids in culture in, a, in the most authentic way possible, not sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, here's a, you know, Little Sioux Thailand, and we just, you know, have mm-hmm uh a recipe uh you know like a pad thai recipe and satay like no we want to go deeper we want to talk culture we want to talk music we want to understand indigenous ingredients you know from those regions um and talk about tradition and sort of help you know try to try to teach kids about difference um around the world to sort of you know break down those barriers if they exist so I love yeah. that,
0: you know, because food is just food is just a lens in which you can experience culture. And it's often the one where it it doesn't feel like you're having some sort of like deep discussion, but you it's it's an entry point like you people are eating all the time and there's food available everywhere. It's like uh, and it's as the world gets smaller, you know, when we talk about cultural sensitivity, it's you know, people, people will, it's like, you love, you love Mexican food. You love Chinese food. Why can't you love the people who make the food and why not? You know, and <laughs> let's have these conversations. If They came from everywhere. There is, when we talk about American food, Well, what is American food, you know, and what are, who are American people? You yeah. Know? It's such an important conversation to have for sure.
1: It's important. And I feel like the stories behind everyday foods that we eat all the time, the stories of, are, are, have gotten lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to bring those stories back and to sort of, you know, educate people or re-educate people a, a, around, you know, where do pretzels come from? They, they weren't created here. Well, there's a story there and just, you know, understanding what that story is. It certainly makes, you know, the experience of eating more inter- interesting. I think it creates more compassion and kindness in the world and, and, and understanding. Um, um, and, you know, I just think, I just think that there's so much to say. Um, and, um, I'm really excited about sort of that next phase of, of our growth.
0: Well, I love that you're thinking about that and having those conversations. You know, I, I think about where I, somebody interviewed me recently for, um, tips on like how to make a school lunch, you know, how to streamline, streamline lunch, because, oh, I really don't like making school lunch. Um, yes. But my, my kids are still at the age where I can't give, I can't task them that job, although I will as soon as they're old enough. Um, but I, it, I had a bunch of tips for that. But I, I I tell them one, one of my tips is like, lunch is not the time to introduce them to new ingredients. You know, <laughs> I mean, they only have school lunch is so short, they barely have enough time to eat. And so you don't want to you don't want to scare them or anything that that's not familiar.
1: So, well, do you, you have any or school lunch friends are sitting next to them? You know, like, yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, bad. how many? I mean, the uh, I had, um, you know, we had lucy um come on we talked about school lunch and how so many so many kids were like uh made fun of for their ethnic lunches you know pad malachki was talking about her indian lunch how much she loved their curries but were afraid to eat them in front of her friends because they smell different they look different it looked, you know not even most curries don't look particularly pretty especially when it's in a lunchbox but that whole thing and david chang talks about that when he didn't like his when he was younger how his Friends would come over and they'd smell the kimchi in the house and how he's embarrassed by that. But now now it's people are more exposed to that. But it is not a time to really pits, pits are still very much like they will tease you for not having the right lunch for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm not I mean, I'm I don't like making lunches either. It's sort of like <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, because it's very limited. Um and where my daughter went to school, um, we actually had to make lunch every day. So I've been making a lunch since she was in preschool every day of her, you know, school life. <laughs> and they had um, uh, at both of her last schools, they had microwaves and things, so you, I could give her things that she could heat. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would eat a lot of leftovers, but I could send her to school with pasta or you know rice yeah. or, or whatever. And um, now I can't. And so I don't feel great about it. I feel like my creativity is being challenged. um, And it's not easy. It's not easy.
0: You know, if it's okay with the kids and I tell this people, especially food, people are just kind of mortified by the whole thing. But like if sometimes kids just want to eat the same thing every day. And they yeah. kind of just like that routine of just having the same thing. And, you know, use breakfast or dinner or the weekends as an opportunity to expose them to different, different um, foods and ingredients. But if, th- if they're fine eating that dry turkey sandwich with some um, goldfish crackers and an apple, <laughs> and that seems so boring to me. But if that's what they want to eat and they eat it every day. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't feel bad. All you food people out there, it's totally fine, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I will give her credit because she, you know, that is what I I mean, I'm basically making her sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um and what did I make the other day? You know, I made like this whole Mediterranean, you know, feast. She had pita and hummus and I gave her all these dipping things and, you know, um some, you know, salamis and whatever, but, um, she prefers as of right now, anyway, she prefers me to make her lunch or for her to bring a lunch. Sometimes she makes it herself. It mm-hmm. depends on the homework she has, but, uh, you know, she was like the cafeteria food, just doesn't look super healthy. Like, I'm not sure, you know, she needs to kind of get used to it. And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's a good enough reason. Yes. I will make your lunch for you. You know? Yeah. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I children grow up so fast and I know that it's important to teach them to cook and all these things and um, teach them how to be resourceful and how to take care of themselves. I firmly believe that, but I also just love the idea of just taking care of them. You know, I don't think that I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to want to do, especially food, you know, so it's so nurturing. It is like a little gift of love that if I make them because we we have this we have this argument kind of well was not really an argument but we we talk about this all the time in our house cuz their dad is very much a you know wants to teach him how to do everything right so if they want something he's said well let me show you how to do it yourself you know and it's a good thing you know they should learn how to do it themselves but, but then they're like, they, they just, they just want somebody to make it for them, you know, cause yeah. it is like very much like a, a gift of love, you know, here, I made this for you, you know, and so, and so they're tired, they're coming home from school, they want a snack and, or, you know, they don't, they know that they could probably make it themselves. But the idea that I made it for them is like so nice for them. <laughs> and and right. for this age, when they live in the house and they're still somewhat small kids, they're still kids. I'm happy to do that for them.
1: Yeah. And they're going to look back on that and be so appreciative that you did that for them. And it's going to give them the warm and fuzzies and repeat um, mm-hmm. it, you know, for their families, too. I just right. worry about, you know, I imagine because college isn't that far. Right. Because time is so <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I just want her to be able to, you know, eat real food. Right. I mean, the, the whole, you know, everybody running around and eating processed food, which is, you know, fine on occasion, but we're, we have like real issues with childhood obesity, mm-hmm. you know, nine kids between the ages right. of and 11 are obese in this country. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, diabetes. And so it's just, you know, it is important to me that she have the ability to make, you know, real food for herself. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Well, it sounds like she can recognize it just looking, you know, like her, if she's seeing the hot lunch and just looking at it, knowing that it doesn't look very healthy and not wanting to eat that. Yeah. No,
1: but there's also so much, you know, it's very, to me, it's very mind, body, spirit. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yes, you know, we talk about body and, and, and health. um, But I don't know about you guys for us um, cooking kind of got me through the pandemic in a way, not just. Sustained us, but like it was meditative and Mm -hmm. I could kind of just tune out and relax. And there was something really, really calming about knowing that if I add, you know, Egg yolks to chocolate—that it's going to get creamy. <laughs> you know, we could, we could control that. You know, um, when the
0: world didn't make sense, cooking made sense. You know, it was just you yeah. do something and it made sense, and the result was something that you could share, and it felt good. And I think, yeah. I think you are not alone, and we all found cooking. Well, I mean, it was so nice to see people kind of fall in love with cooking again. Yeah. Um, I hope I hope more people more people stick with it, because I feel like some people, you know, they, they all went back to the office or things like that, and they stopped cooking um, again. But I, if, I really do hope people found their love of, of the process of cooking, shopping for ingredients, being creative, you know, like, remember, remember that time where they only told you to go shopping like twi- twice a month? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to like and the people who were the, the food people took it on as a challenge. They were like, I'm going to I'm going to use my fresh herbs first week one and then I'm going to move on. And then they're down to like they're they're down to their chicken and their cabbage. And then everybody was like braising <laughs> at the very end. I mean, I, I thought that was uh, it was fun to see how creative people got and how they really kind of hone their their, uh, cooking pioneer cooking chops,
1: you know, (laughs) Yeah, everybody got a lot more confident and comfortable and in the kitchen. And, and that's actually a good segue to the other, the third value is sort of like, and you and I have talked about this at length before we've had so many great conversations about this, actually, Mm -hmm. um, just about how the act of cooking in and of itself is character building. Mm -hmm. Um, how, you know, you can with kids, um, the act of cooking also can teach them how to be patient, um, you know, how to be creative, how to um, be resilient, right? When that recipe doesn't work out the first time, or maybe it turns out a little different than, than mm-hmm. expect. Um, it, you know, helps them become independent, which is healthy for all of us. And frankly, is something we all really needed our kids to be if possible mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And then they're also learning, you know, science and, you know, uh math and engineering and and mm-hmm. so I'm think? still learning math all the time when I bake. <laughs> so I. So I. I've got cheat sheets and in fact <laughs> Sue. I'm like we developed an apron and I put a little I sewed a little cheat sheet, um, a measuring conversion um tab inside one of the pockets. So Oh
0: brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I know I don't use any of my uh, algebra anymore, but I do. I do use fractions quite a bit in my day to day.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't know. It's just really, really powerful, and and it is. It is one of those things that um, you talked about this a little bit. Uh, it's just food is something that everybody understands, no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. It's completely accessible, um, no matter what language no matter where you live, no matter your culture, we can all sort of understand it. And so um, for that reason, you know, kids, you know, we all need to eat, right? So kids can rally around it and they're learning all these things and they don't even know, which is usually the best way to teach them. So right. um, super hands-on and, and I just love it. I just think it's it's just so powerful as a as a lens through which to teach kids all kinds of things.
0: Oh, I know it's, and then you, I mean, how did you become, I know you, how you started the business and everything, but how did you become this food person that you are? Like, did your, did your family cook at at all? Like, were you like
1: farming as a young child? (laughs) What were you doing? How did you become how you are? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, um, and, um, uh, my Italian grandmother, um, it's the the earliest, most fondest memories that I have are with her of, of her and with her. Um, Mm -hmm. she was sort of like this, you know, she was the matriarch of our family, you know, every single Sunday, you know, the whole family would go. And I mean extended family would go to her house or my great grandmother's house. And there would be a big feast, you know, all the pastas, all the cookies, all the meats, all the things. And it was ritual. Mm
0: -hmm. And, um, you know, she taught Wait, me. What did she make? What do you remember? What do you remember that you sh- that she made that you loved?
1: Oh well, it was we had you know Sunday sauce, so every Sunday <laughs> we had pasta, and she and my uncle Dominic, you know, had their own competing um, tomato sauce recipes, and so that was. <laughs> um, and you know, of course, nobody would give the recipe. Although I feel like I've I've figured it out. I've replicated it, um, but. I remember being five years old, and I still actually have a scar on my hand. You know, she used to let me make the salad, so mm-hmm. rip the iceberg lettuce um, into a big bowl, and I would, you know, peel the skins off of cucumbers, and then sort of run a fork down the 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 outside of them, and then salt them. Mm-hmm. Um, cut tomatoes, and then um, put the dressing in a Ziploc bag, and that's how we would dress the salad. And anyway, one day after dinner, I was. Yeah, I wanted to help, so I I grabbed the big white salad bowl, and you know, I remember her saying, "Be careful!" And of course, I fell with the salad bowl and ended up going to the hospital and getting stitches in my hand. But you know, those are from the bowl—the cracked bowl. The bowl—it was a glass bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The bowl fell. The bowl broke on the floor. But but it really, you know, like I uh, little Sue in some way. Well, in a lot of ways, is a love letter to her. And Mm -hmm. moved to Portland. my husband and I moved to Portland, you know, we are out here. My sister lives here. My brother lives here, but you know, most of our family is back East. And, um, I just, the own, the real sort of most authentic way that I could sort of, you know, expose my daughter to her food culture, um, um, was really through those foods. And I was really committed to making sure that, you know, that she had um, real ingredients and that she was eating, you know, like I said, you know, not a lot of processed food is what I was trying to do. Um, and so it just sort of became our thing. You know, when I was, I was working as a magazine publisher and, uh, my mom, when Bryce was a baby, my mom lived here and, and took care of her, you know, during the day. And I would come home and have, you know, just a few hours with her before she would go to sleep. And so, Um, we would all have to cook dinner or we would have to eat and there would be all these things that, that had to get done. And so I would just bring her in the kitchen with me. And when she was nine months old, I put a spatula in her hand and put some flour in a bowl. And that just kind of became our thing. And then, you know, as she was growing up, the activities, um, that we would do together on the weekends, like I would always just sort of, it would revolve around food, um, Mm -hmm. so that we could also, you know, we could have an activity and we could also eat. So honestly, I was just trying to optimize (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's realized,
0: multitasking you know, like, in the best way possible. <laughs>
1: multitasking and then looking back and being like, whoa, like we've actually accomplished so much in the kitchen. And look at all these things that she's learned. Like, what if we could optimize mealtime for other families, but do it in a way that's a little bit more elevated and, you know, sort of gives kids exposure to, you know, um, sort of, you know, not, not. You, typical kid food, right? You know, let's go beyond chicken nuggets and let's see what we can accomplish. And here we are.
0: Yes. Well, what's the favorite thing that you make that Bryce likes to eat?
1: Um, she loves lasagna. So whenever I make lasagna. It's like, she's a happy girl. It's a happy day. (laughs) Um, yeah, anything, anything pasta, she loves tomato sauces. She also, I will say that she's half Colombian. So she loves, 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 arepa and empanadas. Um mm, yes, her she's grandmother. Taste. <laughs> yeah, her grandmother taught me how to make those and so I make those a lot on the weekends honestly. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. pretty excited about that. So, yeah, she's a latin girl. But I'm like <laughs> she's half colombian, half italian and half Well, colombian. two
0: great food cultures, right? That's yeah. I love that.
1: Yes, very much. So it's And so
0: What's next with little Sue? I mean, I, I also, I hear that you're, you, did you write a book? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I, when, when, when did this happen? It, um, it just happened within the, the last few months. So we're, you know, we're yeah. working on, um, supporting not just younger kids um but kids of various age groups so we wrote a cookbook for teens so it's it's foundations it's cooking foundations for teens it's called teen kitchen takeover and it's coming out in november oh nice you you and bryce wrote it together she was involved yes um there's a there's a book too that's going to be um that i'm going to start working on soon where she's going to have more of a more of a voice in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you might just see us on TikTok doing a bunch of stuff. So she's, sort of, <laughs> she's helping to advise um, her mother, who is not very. Yeah, uh, I, like, I, I can't. I can't
0: do the TikTok. It's
1: yeah, too old. <laughs> just,
0: I need. Yeah. I need to hire. I need to hire like a 14 year old to teach me how to TikTok because I just can't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I sort of pointed her. I'm like, I need you to advise. We need to get on TikTok and. You know, it's super, super fun. We also, um,
0: well, I do, I do see a lot of the cooking um, segments on TikTok, and it's, I think, um, because of the the way the medium is, it condenses it so that the recipes that do well are like these simple, kind of easy to digest, kind of concepts that you can, you know, do a riff on. But um, yeah, I've, it's been kind of fun to see so many teens doing um, cooking videos on TikTok.
1: Well, and that was like happening in real time in our house where, you know, the the TikTok pasta with the feta, did you mm-hmm. make that? Oh yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah, it was good.
1: <laughs> it was really good. Bryce was like, I'm gonna make this. And she did the whole thing soup to nuts on her own. Um these, you know, these things start to trend and then she's in the kitchen making it. Um mm-hmm. and so that's what sort of like, you know, made me perk up. Um and so I, I'm, I'm excited, you know, there's a lot of video in our future and, um, and I want to, you know, I want to develop a lot of those, some of those really simple TikTok recipes, right. That are just, you can do them in one pot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a lot of, it's not a, a million steps. Um, you know, those are kind of, it's fun to think about that. Right. I mean, if you talk to food people,
0: they probably have these kinds of, uh, TikTok content, just, you know, and they're not thinking about it in that, in that, for that platform. But everybody has those kind of like those go to recipes where it's like, you don't really need to measure. It's a few, few simple ingredients that when pulled together a particular way, the end result is like magic, right? (laughs) Yeah. I love this. I love recipes like that.
1: I do too. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, we're all sort of, we're all sort of TikTok nation, whether we, whether we're not like we're all, we all, want, we all want things to be simple and food people, you know, don't mind, you know, taking the time out to do things that, 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 that are a little bit more complex, but we mm-hmm. all love things.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I, I will I if need be, usually at the request of my children, I will do a food project. Like they want to really want to do something from scratch or they really want to, you know, know how to make something, I will do it. But for the most part, you know, I'm like everyone else. I'm tired. I got a million things on my to-do list. And but I at the end of the day, I still want it to be delicious. So I'm looking for shortcuts that aren't really shortcuts that don't, you know, skimp on flavor or nutrition or, or that kind of thing. But I'm all for the shortcut. <laughs> So do you have any tips? Uh, like, would you have any advice for any peop- people are out there of how to get the how to get dinner on the table fast? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, A lot of it comes down to the shopping and being strategy even before the cooking, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think most families have sort of their go to their their go to recipes. Um I have yeah yeah I mean keeping your keeping a well stocked pantry helps um, mm-hmm. can't always achieve that but I think um, you know tips for what are you making what's your go to I ask people this because it's
0: kind of funny it's like what people have the go like what what do you what what's the requested item or when you don't know what to make you just make it because you know everyone will eat it and be happy
1: I, <laughs> make, I make a pomodoro. Um, it comes together oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so, comes together really super fast, super delicious. Yeah. So it's just olive oil, some sliced garlic, whole tomatoes, um, and, um, you know, seasoning and, um, basil. So fresh basil mm-hmm. gets thrown into it and the pasta and that's it. And top everything with Parmesan. I top everything mm-hmm. with Parmesan. That's my trick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you—it's like salty, umami. It's like fatty. You get all the things. Yeah. But um, topping everything with parmesan is a very good tip. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think I think probably twice a week I buy whole roasted chickens from oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the market and can do something something pretty great with those. Like I even make chicken soup with those. I don't bother mm-hmm. cooking the chicken and the broth, and like who has time for that? Um,
0: yeah, you can do so much with a, and there's, you know, there's no shame in that. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole chicken. It's like roasted chicken, you know, buy it from a decent purveyor who probably, you know, use a decent chicken, but you can make so many meals out of that. And, and this is a huge shortcut, you know, break it up, slice it up, tear it up goes into so many different things. Right. So people, people should not feel guilty about not always doing everything from scratch because what's more important that you have dinner and quality time to spend with your children, or is it that you, you know, I don't know, we're, we're not expected to pluck our chickens. Right. So sometimes yeah. we shouldn't be expected to roast it ourselves too.
1: I'm, I'm also like a huge fan of like store-bought, um, you know, pie crust and, mm-hmm. um, like puff pastry, you know, to throw together. Oh, puff
0: pastry, nobody should make puff pastry. Yeah. <laughs> if you're making puff pastry, unless you're a pastry chef and you have a sheeter, one of those, like nobody should be making puff pastry, but I agree. Like keep some, uh, frozen pie dough in the freezer. And if it's the difference between having a homemade, it's still homemade, you know, you're going to make the filling, you're going to bake it with your kids. That's, That's more amazing. important, you know? Just because you can, doesn't mean you have to. (laughs)
1: right? Also what I try to do is um, whenever I'm making something, I just make extra. So Mm -hmm. um, I freeze a lot of stuff.
0: Um, Well, I do too. I love that. I wish I need a bigger freezer, but I, it's amazing what you can pull out of their freezer.
1: Yeah. Like cookie dough. Mm -hmm. You're right. Bake off, you know, bake cookies off, you know, and in the quantity that you need, you don't have to make a dozen cookies or 24 cookies. You can make six cookies. Um, just stuff like that, that, that makes life easier down the road. It's not, you know, it's easier said than done. I, I totally get it, but I try to, um, you know, think one step further than that meal. And if there's anything that I can extend via the freezer or in the refrigerator, you know, for a meal the following week or something like that, just, you know, to kind of like cut down on cooking time.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I think everyone should give each, every, every, we all deserve a little grace in the kitchen because you know, it's been a rough two years. Yes. (laughs) It has
1: been so hard. It has been so
0: hard. Yeah. Uh, And everything could use a little help. Like every, everything could be a little cleaner. Everything could be a little bit more organized. We could all be a little trimmer. We could all be a little, you know, whatever, but you know, the important thing is that we had this time Right, this kind of monumental magic, never in history, kind of time of spending time with our families, and we when I mean, we talk about this all the time, the magic that happens at the dinner table, conversations that will be happening at the dinner table that wouldn't happen if we were not eating together. You know, right. however way it comes together, but like the importance of family meals. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and and we're all, you know getting through it. Right. But it's not like we aren't feeling the effects of it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the sort of like, it's a little, it's stressful. Um, and our kids feel it too, especially when they don't know if, you know, when they were having to do, um, zoom school and they didn't know if they were going to go back to class and the masks and like, you know, all the things I I think it's stressful for them as well. I've done my best. We've done our best to try to shield. Mm-hmm. Kids from that. But, you know, even prior to the pandemic, you know, there are statistics that show that, you know, if if uh kids who have access to family meals less than two times a week are more likely to experience anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. right? So it does create space for kids to talk for, right. for to talk to kids and and to ask them how they're feeling and to get mm-hmm. them to up. And I feel like, you know it's, it's more important now, right? Because they're carrying, you know, some pretty heavy stuff um, and concerns, you know, things that they worry about are a lot different than the things that I worry mm-hmm. about.
0: Oh, I know. I just, oh, if I have to be, a, if I had to be a kid now, I don't think I could, I mean, it's just so, <laughs> our lives were so simple, right? We didn't, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we had our own issues, but I mean, I just, the world was just a lot, a lot less scary. I feel like
1: world was a little less scarier. I do, I do spend some time sort of giving high fives all around, you know, to the kids in my life, because I'm just, yeah. look what you have just, you know, persevered, like, look what you just got through. You can get through anything. Right. Um, and it's true. I feel like these kids
0: as adults, I, I call them COVID, COVID kids, this COVID generation children, like, It'll be so interesting. I, I know that people, psychiatrists and psychologists are like studying, um, sociologists, everyone, they're studying this group of children and to see the lasting effects, good or bad. But I, I feel like there will be some positive effects of um, having gone through something as epic as this.
1: I mean, these kids are resilient. Mm-hmm. And these kids know how to eat well. <laughs> they do.
0: Oh, I know. I know. I do. Uh, I love it. Um, my kids are just at this They're They've always been like super minimal eaters, you know, like, I don't know how they subsisted on like a couple grapes and crackers and things like that. They're just more big eaters, oh. but they're just, they're just at the age where they can actually eat a quantity of food. And it makes me so happy. Cause I feel like as a parent, you see your children eating and you think, okay, they're thriving, they're growing, you know, and they'll be able to make it. It's so, it's such a little thing, but, um, yeah. I mean, I love to watch I'm, I'm, I'm going to reveal something that's a little corny about myself, but I, I love watching babies eat. Like, I feel like that should be like a YouTube channel or something, you know, like when people think about mukbang, you know, like all these, you know, people eating like large quantities of food. I love to see like babies and toddlers eating and I could watch that. For it. Maybe it's weird. Am I weird? But no, you just came up with your TikTok TOK. thing. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's kind of weird, but I love to see them eat. And especially when they, when they love something or they, you know, like they'll taste a thing of a uh, yogurt or soup. And it was like the first time that they had it. The first ones, a little, the first look is like kind of tentative and then they go back and they love it. Like, I remember like when I dropped my kids off at preschool and I would, um, they were always like minimal eaters, but they come, I'd stop by and I'd see some other kid just like chowing down and I would just be like watching them in fascination. Like, look at that kid eat. It's amazing. <laughs> Their <laughs> parents must be so proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that, on that weird note, <laughs> people should go check out little Sue.com. Follow them on Instagram. Um, you guys add so much inspiration and if people, you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, how do you teach lessons in the kitchen? Well, you shouldn't have to have to think about that kind of thing too much. Just order the box, (laughs) let the kids explore it, you know, and then your job is to facilitate, like if you need to pick up a few ingredients or whatever, whatever, but the boxes are so great um, because they offer these wonderful ways for parents and children to engage together in this kind of shared experience of food.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Judy I can't wait to see you in person. I know. Well, we'll do it over a meal, you know, because that's the
0: way we do it, right? Thank you so much for joining.